0: This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motz on your 24 7 home of the black and gold, SNR.
1: Final segment here on a rare edition of the Steelers Blitz on a Tuesday. Typically in season, uh, you know, we have the Mike Tomlin press conferences on Tuesdays, so Motze and I do different, you know, different responsibilities, different programming. On Tuesdays, but with the short week, with everything being moved up to yesterday, we uh, you got me here on a Tuesday. I appreciate you guys on the Twitter.com. I was worried that maybe we wouldn't have much participation with the show today, since it was on a Tuesday and we're normally not on at this time. But you guys have found us, as always. Appreciate it. Uh, a couple more tweets rolling in here. I promise you that we will get to those in just a few minutes here. But first, one thing that I like to do when I'm solo here on the show... I, I said this before, but maybe if we got some new listeners who tuned in expecting to hear Mike Tomlin and have stuck with me uh, throughout this hour or so, I appreciate you if that is the case. Welcome to the party, and uh, and you can get at me on uh, at Wesley Euler if you want to ask your questions, comments, concerns, and reactions on the Twitter.com. One thing I like to do here uh, when Motzi is out, sometimes we play a little audio from the DVE morning show. I'm a big fan of of the DVE Morning Show, Randy Bauman, Bill Crawford, Val Porter, Mike Pursuta. I tell you what, big Michigan State guy Mike Pursuta, he's going to have some uh, some trash talk on his hands over these next couple weeks. Um, they, I think they do a fantastic show, great blend of humor and sports and pop culture and news and music and all that stuff. And, of course, being the DVE Morning Show, they get the best guests in town. And one of those guys is Cam Hayward. Always love listening to Cam speak, period particularly on the DVE Morning Show, I think they just have a good way of getting good answers out of him, and they maybe ask him questions a little bit different than what the traditional you know, sports journalist media asks. So here's Cam Hayward on a short week after the victory against the Ravens, talking about what that means and what they need to accomplish to not let that linger too long, to turn the page quickly and get ready for the Vikings on Thursday. Here's Cam on the DVE Morning Show.
2: Normally we have him on a Tuesday, but because it's a short week... We got Cam Hayward, the captain, joining us right now on the DV yeah. Morning Show. Good morning, Cam! Congrats on a huge win yesterday, a, a massive defensive effort, seven sacks of Lamar. How happy were you about the response? After a week full of criticism from both fans, alumni, uh, and tons of you know media breakdowns of what went wrong, you guys pulled it all together with, I don't want to say it was a ramshackle group of guys, but... Mon Adams certainly had to be introducing himself to people as uh, the, the game was about to be getting kicked off. Wormsley, uh, not Wormsley, Wormley, Wormley you know, Akilah Weatherspoon. These are not guys that we thought would be counting on this year, and the deep really responded with a huge effort against Baltimore.
3: Yeah. Um, you know, we needed all hands on deck. Um, for the guys that played last week, uh, gave them another opportunity Uh, To really step up, you know, I was really, really happy for uh, Chris Wormley. You know, these games, uh, especially versus Baltimore, mean a lot more to him than other guys just because, you know, that was the team he was drafted by. Um, Mon Adams coming off the street uh, and playing some really good football, man. Like, man, he made some really impactful plays that might not always be kept, uh, you know, in the stat sheet. But, you know, we felt felt his, his uh, energy. And then, you know, a kilo, um, Witherspoon, you know, I thought he had a great game, you know, he could have got a pick, yeah. um, and that would have been the icing on top, but you know, it's not always easy stepping in for Joe Hayden, um, and playing the way he did, but man, we needed everybody. Um, you know, even on the offensive side, you see John Leglu Leglu uh, really play well. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a total team effort, Cam
0: Stan Saverin, uh, because of the play of Wormley and Montrevious Adams, did you find yourself being doubled less as the game went on because of their performance?
3: Uh, what does doubled less look like?
2: <laughs> 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 um, Was there sometimes you know, only two instead yeah. of three? So that's a no. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you know, I don't know about doubled less, but, you know, I think it created opportunities for other guys to eat. Um, you know, you see the seven sacks. TJ had a monster game. Um, you know, and Wormley just, he kept, you know, feeding. A couple times, you know, if he lets go, um, you know, it creates a lane. But, you know, Wormley held on for dear life. And, um, you know, I was just, you know, to have that type of performance, we really needed.
0: Cam, you referenced this after the game, TJ Watt also, the the discipline in the rush lanes, you know, holding the edge, contain rush which is understandably more difficult. You can't just tear off after the guy and, you know, do whatever move you want. But you, you managed to do it the way you had to do it, and you still got seven sacks against one of the most elusive quarterbacks on the planet. Should, should we take from this that this ought to be something you can do the rest of the way?
3: I hope so. Um, you know, I think it's something we can grow on, something we can, you know, definitely learn from. I thought as the game kept progressing it got harder and harder uh, for them to find escape lanes. Um you know, that's a, a tribute to the whole line working together. Um, you know, we we really had to just bite down. Uh Lamar is uh he he is the elusive quarterback um in our game today. So, you know, hats off to our guys, but you know, it's not the end of uh we're not going to see another mobile quarterback all year. we got more work to do.
2: Cam, what did you think when Lamar's going down the field? What's running through your, your mind when they score the touchdown and then they go for two?
3: I was like, damn, we need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, uh, It was you know, we wanted to get off field. And, um, you know, I thought after the sack uh, we were going to get him off field. Um, obviously, we didn't. Um we were press they were pressed for time so they sped up a little bit and then when they went for two, uh I went off I went because I thought it was field goal. Um and then they went for two and we were all jumbled up because we were going back before back and forth between uh different calls and so then Coach T called a timeout. I was like, Okay, I can catch my breath Uh and you know, came down to one play and we were able to come out on top.
0: Cam, did you on the two-point conversion, anticipate that Lamar might roll out with an RPO, or did you figure that he would drop back? Because if he rolls out, it cuts his field in half.
3: Yeah, you know, um, and we knew and gotta have a moments. He usually rolls out, and uh, it's either QB power or um, you know he, he's uh, rolling out and he's gonna try to hit the the tight end. Obviously, uh, most of the times, you really don't get a lot of runs in those situations because you don't want a lot of bodies in there. Um, But, you know, it was a heck of a play by them. Um, I thought he had caught it right away, and I was about to lose it. But, uh, you know, we we were able to get off the field.
2: So after a year in which you couldn't play in front of any fans and then limited fans coming back this year to mostly full houses, it had to feel pretty good to handle the Ravens at Heinz Field with a raucous crowd of Steelers supporters, who it seemed to me, uh, uh, Cam, they were giving the Steelers one more chance. They were going to be there sure. for the Raven, Ravens game, and they were going to be <laughs> there to do their job yesterday. But you better beat the Ravens, or at least show some heart in doing so. How great was it to win that one in front of that that fan base? Which, honestly, through the television, it just sounded deafening. The camera was bouncing around.
3: Yeah, you know, I always tell our guys, you know, it's a privilege to play in front of our, our fans. Um, and with that, you can't expect our fans to, you know, hold, you know, cheer you on. Right. You got to give them something to cheer about. And, you know, our, our guys did that. And then our fans went r- nuts throughout the game. Uh, you know, we, we heard, heard him giving it to the refs for, throughout the game. Um, <laughs> uh, and we, we were feeling it, but man, uh, it's really a good change when you go from 2020 to 2021.
2: How about number seven's performance yesterday? You know, the word leaked over the weekend that he may possibly have been letting close friends know that this was the last dance for Ben Roethlisberger. I know that you spoke privately with him and you plan on keeping that private, but how gratifying was it to see seven's performance yesterday, particularly in the seven half, second half?
3: I, I think it was just vintage, you know, um, we needed a lot of big plays, um, and, you know, I, I just think it was very, you know, it, it looked very effortless in, the, in, the, in his approach sometimes, but, man, those third downs, um, you know, him just orchestrating the offense was just, you know, it was awesome.
2: I made a comment earlier that hearing from Ryan Clark – uh, Rocky or Ike Taylor, the list goes on and on, of Steeler alumni who were unhappy with the lack of heart shown in the loss to the Bengals, that the reason I think that Coach Tomlin actually likes that is because if he's preaching to the younger guys, that the playing with pride and playing the Steeler way is something you take with you your whole life. If, if you're not hearing that echoed by the people who once played here before, the words, this sticks with you for the rest of your life, they don't really hold any resonance. And that because the, the older players, former players, do speak out about being upset when there is a lack of heart shown on the field, that that helps Coach Tomlin's message to these guys, particularly the younger guys. You and Ben know the deal. You've been there. You've seen it. You've seen how much the belief in playing that certain way can do for you. How much does yesterday's win on the heel of that criticism help to embed that in these guys?
3: You know, I think we appreciate their criticism, but um you know last week was an ugly loss, right um but you can't question our heart, and that's one thing I will never do I won't you know I won't demean a guy that I know is putting the work um was it ugly last week, yeah, but there's a lot of football for us to be played um and it's up to us to handle that. You know, um, steal are great so steel great. But, man, we gotta, we, we know we gotta play better. Um, and, sometimes it's a broken record when, you know, guys say it's embarrassing and everything. But, um, these guys play with, our guys play with heart. You're, there's not a soul in there that wasn't pissed off that we lost in Cincinnati. And, you know, was it, was it even close to perfect? No. But, these guys, man, they dedicate their lives. And to say we don't have heart, I, I just don't think that's right. Um, you know, it was ugly, okay. Um, but never question my guys. Um, we prepare. Uh, we work our tails off. And we 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 try to provide for our families and give something, you know, back to uh, this game. But, you know, you got to take those lumps with it. And we're going to keep battling we keep fighting, and we'll see what happens at the end of the season.
0: Cam, back before the season started, uh, Mike Toblin was talking about T.J. Watt missing pretty much all of training camp. And he said he's not worried about what he's going to do at Buffalo because T.J. Watt's <laughs> not a typical human being. Uh, just another chapter of the legend, I guess, yesterday. Uh, do do you guys ever marvel at what he does when he's going like he was yesterday?
3: Um, You know, I don't think I marvel at it. I just think, damn, that's T.J. Watt. That's That's what he's supposed to do. Um, you know, it's become second nature. You know, he's showing me videos of him running in his backyard and I'm like, you know, this is um this is pretty crazy. Uh
2: <laughs> he's know. running around trees. Like he's rocky. It yeah. he showed you video somebody took video of that?
3: Yeah, he's got a he's got his fiance doing that. Um I told him. I'm surprised he didn't dress her up and like put her in some like a body bag so he can get some you know reps for the game. Yeah. Um, but guys, like TJ, man, he's the ultimate. He's one of the ultimate competitors in our game. Um, and there's no way he's ever going to be less than ready. That guy comes prepared for every you know assignment, um, and you know he's usually hitting home runs when he's doing that.
2: Uh, what about your sickness? There was uh, some concern you wouldn't be able to play. Did you feel a hundred percent better from whatever was ailing you on Friday by the time the game kicked off?
3: Yeah, I felt fine. Um, you know, uh,
2: was that much ado of about nothing? Those reports, or were you pretty sick? When I
3: when I, when I write my book, this is going to be an interesting chapter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Will there, be, will, will there be
0: a chapter on uh Connor Hayward's school playing Ironhead Hayward's school in a bowl game
3: Oh, I cannot wait. Um, you know, I was just telling my little brother's and, you know, my mom, I I, you know, I got the the fortunate opportunity for my last bowl game um to play where my dad played um in the Sugar Bowl. And now my little brother gets to go back to home in Georgia and he gets to play against his dad's old team in, in Atlanta. Um, you can't make this stuff That's up. That's pretty sweet. That's yeah, kind of uh, cool, isn't it? Yeah. Like I, I told him like God and my dad are still working hand in hand right now. And it, it's, you know, I, I, I got to find a way to get there because that's going to be pretty special. Now
0: well, you can drive down with me if you want, but it might take a while.
3: <laughs> Pursuit of, I'm not I'm not ready to go in like some little uh, Tesla down the you know, hey, down Plus, Cam Michael, a good ma-
0: movie ma- Michael, make you pay for the gas, so yeah. I would decline if I were <laughs> you. Know, come on. <laughs>
3: Mike's probably going to
2: charge me a fee on top of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, look, uh, best of luck short week, the uh, Vikings Thursday night. Let's get one more. Let's keep it going. That was a tremendous win. A statement win by the Steelers at Heinz Field yesterday. Cam. Keep it going. Keep it going. Thanks, man. Let's
3: go.
1: We got work to do. We got work to do. Great stuff from Cam Hayward, as always. I'm just picturing him and Mike Pursuta now. Sitting in Pursuta's car, those two. Driving down, what, 79 to, what, 81 to 95, I think, to get to Atlanta? Is that right? I don't think that's right. But you get it. Those two driving all the way down to Atlanta. I think that's about an eight, nine-hour drive from here. Whew. it would be a lot of good conversation in that car between Pursuta and Cam Hayward. That was Cam Hayward on the DVE Morning Show. Always love uh, listening to Cam with that crew. They do a great job of, of asking him good questions. Obviously football-related, but getting him to – uh you know, to open up about some other things as well. It's the Steelers Blitz here on SNR. Uh, Just about uh, a little over 10 minutes or so to go here in today's show. You know what that means. It's time for me to get to the twitter.com here and uh, get to some of your questions, comments, concerns, and reactions at Wesley Euler if you want to lob a late one in here. Rod Dalla tweets us and says we got two things answered on Sunday. There's a new man on campus at defensive tackle by the name of Montrevius Adams, and we just might have found Hayden's successor at cornerback in Witherspoon. I'm eager to see how Witherspoon does against the Vikings' wide receivers. Yeah, Rod, I listen. I uh, th- these these developments are very encouraging. I agree with you on that. But let's, I mean, let's not um, let's not put that on Witherspoon just yet, right? It was one very impressive game. He played well. Probably should have had a, a game sealing interception as well too, right? I mean, he, he was he was making plays let's see him continue to stack those performances before we uh call him Joe Hayden's successor I w- I would love it if that was the case but I think you're right I'm eager to see how you know he he had to sit and wait for a long time uh, let's not kid ourselves what was it week three really that we saw the la- the last time we saw Witherspoon get substantial playing time he didn't even get a helmet in a few of the Steelers games I- I'm very eager to see how after that strong performance on Sunday, you know him having to wait and wait and wait to get his opportunity. Now, how do you respond on a short week against a team that, that does have a pair of very talented wide receivers? I'm I'm eager to see how Witherspoon does on Thursday night. Steeler Nation nine twenty tweets us and says, "How about play a Pat Fryermuth <laughs> driving dudes into an early grave? Man, he looks like Heath and Vance had a baby. <laughs> Everyone is so excited to see him get the ball. I love it." Uh, also, I like to give Kendrick Green a shout-out. I love that man's fire. He is a straight WWF dude. Well, it's WWE now, nation, you know, but I I completely – I was a WWF kid growing up as well too. Guys, you know, if you've listened to this show regularly, I've been screaming all season to get Pat Frymuth more involved, and that was something that it felt like they did about a month ago, then they started to get away from that during the losing streak. I, I think this guy has a lot of ability, and I think the Steelers – Need to attack the middle of the field, and I think we started to see that a little bit more in the second half on Sunday. It's it's. Listen, I know it's tough to do. They're working with a patchwork offensive line that they cannot do everything that they want to do on offense. But I I I just still think Pat Fryer needs to be a big part of that identity for this offense going forward. Julie tweets and says, "Hey Wes, why when asked if there was any update on to it, Tomlin yells none. Why doesn't someone then ask why not? Do we?" have a right to some type of informative explanation, it really bugs me. <sighs> Julie, this is, you know, again, this is a tough, it's it's tough for me to sit here and speculate about Stephon it. We all know what he went through right before training camp with the tragic loss of his brother and everything that his family went through. Um, we all know that he was also dealing with some injury stuff, maybe not being in shape. Some things happened in training camp in that regard, too. The only other real concrete information that we have is that we know that he's been seen down on the south side at times, uh, working out and things like that. But I just part of me would feel bad, right, Julie? Here's where I'm at: where I I I wouldn't press anyone on Stephon to it, and I, you know, I I'm not trying to like sit here and demand an explanation or anything like that. And the only reason is because if it is, if it's something mental health related with Stefan to it. And we find that out, you know, a few months or so from now, whenever it may be. You know, maybe it's it's training camp next year before we hear him speak again. Who knows? Again, I just I hate speculating about things like this because it, hindsight's always twenty twenty. And when somebody is really going through some, you know, some real life stuff, I think you can look back and say, "Man, you know, I was I, I was pressing too much. Maybe I wasn't sensitive enough." I understand why Steelers fans wants to fund to it out there. He's one of the best defensive linemen in the league. He is right about in his prime of his career. You know, late twenties, right in that point. Um, the defensive line, you know, until this past week, looked like they could really use him just about every single week. And he obviously is one of the higher paid guys on the defense. He's one of your leaders. I, I get all that. I just the longer and longer this plays out, it, it feels like it has to be something more than just injury concerns with to it. And because of that, I don't want to speculate. I don't want to press, because in hindsight, I don't want to look back and you know feel like we were being insensitive with the topic. And I do think that that's very easy to do with conversations like this. It's they're hard ones to navigate. I understand why everyone wants an answer. Believe me, that's not what I'm not saying you you shouldn't be wondering. Um, but I just I I I personally, you know, if, if I was there yesterday in that room, I I don't think I would have tried to press Mike Tomlin on that more. Like Moti and I have said, it feels like one of those things we're just not going to know until we know. That could always be next week. Like I said, that that might, we might not hear from Stefan Twitter or about Stefan Tuitt until training camp. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. I know it's frustrating, but I think you also have to be understanding at a time like that. Uh, Julie says, saw that play by Devin Bush that Chris Carter was describing. Uh, Julie as well says, saw that play by... Uh, Devin Bush that Chris Carter was describing, bright spot for him, I didn't think he stunk on Sunday, which is good news for sure, Adams' play at the nose tackle position probably helped, absolutely, it absolutely did, when your defensive line is playing playing well in front of you, it's, for a linebacker, it's like when an offensive line is playing well in front of a running back, right, it's the same kind of concept, it lets you be more aggressive, it lets you attack, it lets you, uh, you know, play downfield like everybody always wants to play, that was certainly a, a big help for sure. Thrash tweets us and says, I need you to settle a debate for me unless you want to wait for Moats to help you with this, but I've seen some fans arguing that Micah Parsons is on the same level as TJ and Miles Garrett this year, and I know me going against a Penn State guy is blasphemous. You know, Thrash, same level is the interesting kicker there from you. I don't think Micah Parsons is playing on the same level as as TJ and Miles Garrett maybe even at times as his own teammate, Diggs. But he's been insanely impactful. You can't deny that. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I, I have not watched a ton of Dallas Cowboys football this year. I watched their opening game of the season against the Buccaneers, and I think I've seen them maybe once or twice more. I, I don't spend a ton of time watching Cowboys football, but I know if you just look on the stat sheet, Michael Parsons' impact is crazy. He got... Uh, uh, he's... Got a handful of turnovers. I believe he has 10 sacks, double digit sacks, a lot of tackles, a lot of tackles for loss. So again, I don't think he's on the same level quite yet as TJ and Miles Garrett, but man, his his impact has certainly been there this year. I would need to really dive into that more and maybe talk to some people who are really, you know, in tune with the Cowboys um, before I gave a a definitive judgment on that. But I would not poo-poo Micah Parsons. I, I think he has been very good this year. One of the best off-ball linebackers in the entire NFL. And to do that as a rookie, people are always uh, going to uh, be giving you a lot of credit. And and he he has. His his name is out there for sure. A lot of people talking about Micah Parsons. And hey, when you play for a, a brand like the Cowboys, it certainly helps as well too. Sensei tweets us, Tweets us, I keep saying. Tweets me. Listen, it's still us, even though mozi he isn't here today. Sensei tweets me and says, Really hoping that the defensive line continues to play well on Thursday. Defense looked drastically different. Also, any word on if Joe Hayden is coming back? Sad to say, but I think uh, this is why he didn't get that deal this past off Hey, It is Sensei, right? The oldest cliche in the book. The best ability is availability. Um I don't think it sounds good for Joe Hayden. Mike Tomlin at least yesterday when he spoke didn't sound overly optimistic that Joe Hayden was going to play, but wait till this afternoon and and check the practice report and and then and I think that'll, you know, if Joe Hayden doesn't practice at all today, I would say he's probably not going to play on Thursday cuz the Steelers are going to travel tomorrow. Tomorrow will be a light day. If he's maybe a limited participant today, I'd say he's got a shot. But if but if he misses practice all this week on the short week, I think we're probably still going to be waiting uh, on Joe Hayden's return, unfortunately. Steel City Champs tweets us and says, How do you think the next man up mentality played out Sunday and will carry into Thursday night? Look, and this is something the Steelers are going to have to be cognizant of on Thursday, guys. The Steelers were a wounded animal. Talked about this with Craig Wolfley in the locker room yesterday. The Steelers were a wounded animal. On Sunday against the Ravens. They were backed into a corner. Their season was on the line. They had to have a victory. They just got embarrassed. They lost by 38 points to the Bungles. And everybody was calling the Steelers embarrassing all week. And questioning their effort all week. Teams are dangerous when that type of thing happens to them. You you just heard Cam Hayward talking about how pissed off and how angry they were all week at that performance against the Bengals. You know what? Now you've got a Minnesota Vikings team that's getting clowned in the same way because they just lost to the Detroit Lions. Th- that same mentality has to be there for the Steelers. They have to match that intensity of the Vikings because believe me, the Vikings are going to be a wounded animal on Thursday night. They're going to be playing at home. They just lost to the worst team in the NFL. They're going to be looking to get that taste out of their mouth. The Steelers have to match that intensity. They have to bring that same energy and effort and tenacity and desire uh, that they played with Uh, against against the Ravens on Sunday. Or else the Vikings will have that edge. Because again, nothing more dangerous than a team who's been embarrassed, than a team who's hurting, than a team who's backed into a corner. Because that is quite often when you get your best performances. Coach Wichard. Coach, what's up, dude? I don't think you've ever tweeted us before. So here, you get the John McCain treatment. Welcome to the
0: party, pal.
1: Coach says, it's all right, you not liking Pitt. Everyone is allowed to have one flaw. I live in Charlotte, and I love seeing all the Yinzers down here. Charlotte's a great city. I love going to games there. Uh, I'll be there, not this September, Coach, but the following September, uh, WVU plays the season opener there. I want to say it was Tennessee we played there a few years ago. I think maybe it's Florida State this time. But I I love Charlotte. Love Charlotte. Great city. You can Pretty much walk anywhere. The weather's always nice. The people are nice. Good food. Good football stadium. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Charlotte. You can count me as a fan of the city of Charlotte. Um, duh, duh, duh. Let's see here. Katie tweets us and says, the last Steelers defensive player of the year was James Harrison in 2008. A lot of similarities between that year and now. What else does TJ Watt have to do to get defensive player of the year? He is clearly better than Miles Garrett. If we don't make the playoffs, I don't want that to be the reason TJ doesn't get it. That... There's always a kicker, right? Katie, as much as it seems like an oxymoron, team success always plays a role in individual awards. Don't let anybody tell you elsewise. If 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 you're a quarterback who puts up insane numbers and your team is really bad, but you go, you know, and you go 7 and 9, well, I guess that can't happen anymore. 7 and 10, you're not going to get the award. Um, I think the Steelers have to finish at least 500 and they have to at least be in the playoff conversation in the final week of the season and that seems to be a very realistic possibility but if TJ Watt you know he's got a primetime game Thursday night a couple more primetime you know a Monday night game against um, the Browns at the end of the season a game against the Chiefs the day after Christmas that everyone's going to be watching TJ Watt continues to turn in these big performances and these big moments he's got a really good chance uh, Chris tweets me and says, Wes, what is the official status of David DeCastro? If healthy, is he an unrestricted free agent? Did he retire? Is it possible they could ask him or bring him back? Does he need to clear waivers? Congrats on your new daughter. They grow up so fast. Enjoy the time while they're young. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, she's, she's a little over seven weeks old now, and it's insane how much she's grown up and changed and, and grown already. Um, believe me, being 30 years old now, I'm almost 31. I'll be 31 here in a couple months. I mean, my 20s went by like a snap you know from from college to to working in ohio to working in philly to getting to back to my hometown of pittsburgh i mean my the, the last you know 10 years of my life seem like they flew by i can only imagine what that's going to be like watching watching my daughter grow up and you know hopefully maybe some some additional kids as well too um so so thank you i appreciate that official status of david castro is is he's a he's a free agent he has not retired but that's about it I, I know that he had had texted um Maybe it was Joe Starkey or Ray Fidapaldo, someone from the Post Gazette, and said that he needed to have a third surgery on his ankle to continue to clear it up. I I, I don't want to spe- you know again same church different pew as maybe some of the Stefan Tuitt stuff. I could sound like an idiot if I speculate, but if you you know if you I, I'm more willing to speculate about an injury as opposed to something that could be more mental health or elsewhere related. If David DeCastro needed that many injuries to, to get his ankle back to healthy. It wouldn't surprise me if, if he does officially retire at some point, you know, in the next, sometime in 2022 maybe. But, yes, Chris, if, if De Castro decides that he wants to play football again, he would just be a free agent. And and I think the Steelers would certainly at least have the conversation of, you know, bringing him back. Jason tweets and says, I've never been so happy to be wrong when making a pick against the Steelers. Who's more likely to be Defensive Player of the Year, Cam or TJ? It It's going to be TJ. As much as I think you could certainly argue that Cam has been more valuable to the Steelers, and you know what? I probably would. TJ has has made the bigger plays in the big moments, right? Like against the Ravens, like against Seattle, and just not even the bigger plays. That's the wrong way to word it. Sorry. The splashier plays, right? The ones that are on highlights, the ones that, you know, people who vote on these awards that live in California and Seattle and Denver who don't watch all the Steelers games, they see those highlights on TV and and just as Arthur Motz has said before, <laughs> defensive player of the year is a, is a, it's a sack award. You, you got to have a lot of sacks, and uh, you know Cam just doesn't get as many of those playing where he does on the defensive line, as opposed to TJ coming off the edge. So TJ for sure. Dhev, our Photoshop extraordinaire, says we're playing in a, dur- a dome and on turf on Thursday. I'm playing speed package. Ray Ray, Deontay, and Washington go deep, stretch the field, put Chase in the slot, and let him and Muth eat up the middle of the field. I love it. You need your offensive line to play well again like they did on Sunday against the Ravens to get away with that or else Ben's going to be running for his life. But I, I, I do like it in theory. And then if that works out, then you start to play off Najee, open up the run game, and then we're chef's kiss, baby. Now, Jared tweets me and says Parsons has been playing outside linebacker. See, I thought he was playing off ball for Dallas. That's, that shows how much I, I watch the Cowboys. But again, I will say, I don't think Micah Parsons is on the same level as TJ and Miles Garrett. He's got to do it more consistently because, another, hey, another showism from Motsi and I, right? You never crown a guy off of one great year. We've seen that happen too many times. How about Kendrell Bell in this town, right? Defensive Rookie of the Year, um, and then after his great, phenomenal rookie season was never really the same. We've seen that across the national football. You've seen that in every sport. You, You never want to crown a person off of one great year, particularly when it is their rookie year. Um. Parsons, though, for a rookie has been outstanding. Like I said, I've only watched the Cowboys play a few times. His numbers, though, are are, are insanely impressive for a rookie. Jared says, um, TJ for Defensive Player of the Year. Cam for Walter Payton, Man of the Year, though. Love that, Jared. That's what we're going to say. TJ Watt, Defensive Player of the Year. Cam Hayward, Walter Payton, Man of the Year. How about that? That way they can both get some hardware. And Cam would absolutely deserve that award. He has done Countless great things uh, for the Pittsburgh community here, starting with the pandemic and, and rolling through like he always does. Um, I love it, Jared. That's the new mantra going forward. TJ gets the Defensive Player of the Year. Cam gets the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Rock and roll, brother. Uh, thanks, everybody, for chiming in today. Thanks to our buddy Chris Carter for joining me for the second segment. Moatsy and I will be back tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, whole rest of the week on this weird week. Tomorrow we'll really turn the page and look ahead to uh, tomorrow we'll turn the page and look ahead to the Vikings, Part of me, on Thursday. Thursday we will obviously have all of our typical, um, you know, show-before-game shenanigans, Five Star Friday and predictions and Here We Go song and all that stuff. And then Friday we'll be breaking it all down on a uh, little bit of sleep, I would imagine, for all of us. So uh, just getting started this week. Make sure you're tuning in the rest of the week as we get ready for Thursday. And, and thanks again to everybody on the Twitter.com. You know I appreciate, we appreciate the heck out of you guys all the time, but I do, especially on the days when Mozi is out of here. You guys make it easier for me. That'll do it for me today. We'll be back with Motz tomorrow. As always, you know where to find us. High noon on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio.